all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Yellow 2021. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said 2020. Nope. I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Now recording in our fifth year? Fifth calendar year? Yeah, fifth calendar year. Yeah. Oh my God. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Jeez. And we are recording on New New Year's Day from your favorite band, U2. Yeah. (laughs) Did we introduce ourselves? Yes, we did. Oh, okay. Clearly. Uh, This is episode 183. Somebody has been messing around in my little back woodshed. (laughs) No, I have not. I do not not know the song New Year's Day by U2, but that's probably because I don't listen to U2. It's one of their, uh, it's it's honestly one of their better songs. It's one of their earlier songs. I think it came out in 83. Is it a song that could go in the massive U2 um, um, medley? No, it's it's their early days when you t- when you two was trying really hard to be uh, the Clash. Oh, they're a little more punk, a little more yeah. new wave. Yeah. yeah. Well, they came out of that that mm-hmm. era. I like the um, if you run away, run away, walk away, I will follow. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, I she's haven't heard that song. In I don't a long know what time. they're actually saying other than I will follow because I think that's the name of the song. But uh, yeah, early U two is not pop. Mm. They really didn't turn that corner until the the Joshua Tree, which is widely considered one of their best albums. Right, it's a good album. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, eighty six, eighty seven. I think eighty seven. <laughs> anyway, and that's all for, bad for, bands corner <laughs> for, for for anybody who is interested in the early history of U two. <laughs> if my sister's listening, which she probably is not, <laughs> um, follow us Insta, Twitter, Facebook at All Bad Things Pod. Email us All Bad Things Pod at gmail dot com. Um, it is, yes, we are recording this on New Year's Day. Uh, it is day one (laughs) of tax season. (laughs) So you can compare this to whatever our last episode of tax season will be. Um, whatever's closest to April 15th, uh, in the U.S. I know it's very weird that... For some countries, it's very weird to think... People in other countries, it's very weird for them to think of a, quote, tax season. Sure. Because our U.S. tax code is the size of a phone book, we have to either pay people to do our taxes, um, be super frustrated by them, or, um, like, use a confusing little computer program like TurboTax. And our our money (laughs) is used to corrupt people and governments all over the world so you have to have a tax code for that exactly so you, so can, you can hide do it, it do it nice and legally yes, yes. actually yeah yes. not even hide it like here it is mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so fun but uh so my mind will slowly deteriorate over the next 15 weeks so that's something fun for you to look forward to everybody and me yes <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that's okay because my mind is slowly deteriorating because I've gone back to a night schedule and yeah. during the winter where I, I just I don't, no daylight. I don't see daylight. <laughs> yeah, I would not want to live in Alaska. <laughs> that would well, you're me. basically living in Alaska right I now. I kind of am. Yeah, 
Yeah. But that's by choice, not... Right. And and in the summer, you will start seeing some light. I will. Yeah. There will be some Spring light in the too. summer. Yeah. So you'll start driving to work in the light, at least. Yeah. <laughs> there will be that to look forward to. Um, and you yeah, know, instead, now out... I'm driving to work mm-hmm. and coming from work in the dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you don't even work outside anymore at all, no. right? So it's not even like you'll see evening light, necessarily. Yes, I work in a... a very big sterilized room Mm -hmm. (laughs) for more more hints on what david does because nobody really knows (laughs) (laughs) um i uh started 2021 off like yay i'm gonna go for a run went for my run and just as i finished up and was starting to cool down i rounded the corner uh down the street by the roundabout Mm mm-hmm and uh, fortunately, I have learned over the years, because this has happened so many times, how to simply ignore this, but some asshole found it appropriate as he rounded the roundabout to catcall me. Mm. So that was a fun end to my first uh, New Year run. Obviously, his New Year's resolution was to be a dick and a fucking trash human. And to be lucky that I wasn't there. <laughs> Yeah, mostly I've just learned, like, the best thing you can do for street harassment is, I mean, like, now I'm talking street harassment where there's no physical threat, because there are definitely are situations where that is the case, not not in this case, certainly at all, um, but is to just fucking ignore them, because they're looking for a rise. It's the, it's the sexually perverted equivalent of a little boy pulling a girl's braid or something. Sure. And, um... And also what happens when humans are raised by trash. <laughs> His mama was a trash human, I betcha. It's like, the, it's like the guy that interrupted the press conference by yelling that Joe Biden stole the election and nobody responded to him and he kept yelling and yelling and yelling and then he stopped and went away. Because what are you going to do if you don't get this? Because he didn't get a reaction. Exactly right. That's all those people are looking for. That was the beer barbecue freedom guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> With, that's right that's right and they just kind of looking at just kind of looked at him and they walked away he's like all right moving on (laughs) it's it's just kind of like one of those are are you done making an idiot one of of those sorry are you done making making a fool Mm, i'm trying to figure out the best politically correct way to say it but anyway are you done embarrassing yourself are you done that's exactly right are you done embarrassing that that is one of the funny things that barack obama used to do at rallies and stuff like Mm -hmm. that is when somebody would start doing that Mm -hmm. he would call him out and be like "Eh, let's hear him what he has to say Mm -hmm. and nothing the person would just either go away or stand there in silence Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah but that must be pretty cool though getting a reaction from the president no matter which president (laughs) it is true yeah (laughs) that's true so anyway, that's my twenty twenty start of 2021 story. Yes. Uh, and then I, I worked, because that's what I'll be doing. And that's what I was doing, ringing in 2021. That's right. I was at work. Yeah. Did, did you guys have a little countdown or anything? No. No. Like, I didn't... It just turned over at some I point. I kind of... I was... I went outside to smoke a cigarette, and I just happened to be looking at my phone, like, mm-hmm. right when it turned over to midnight. Oh, really? <laughs> that's, when, that's when I texted you. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was just... I mean, I'm pretty sure I worked on New Year's and Christmas last yeah, I year. I think I did. Okay. But at, at this point, it's just kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Just another day. I, I went to bed. I <laughs> I was not up at midnight. Um, I'm trying to, not New Year's resolution, but it just, because of tax season, 
this is a good drinking game. Take a shot every time I say tax season, you will be unconscious. Yeah. Um, You'll be hospitalized. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm trying to have like a good schedule and be, because it takes physical health to be at good mental performance, which sure. is what I need to be able to do because this is when I make my money. This is when I make my living is in 15 weeks. One day I'll do a documentary on myself. Documentary <laughs> called 15 Weeks. There you go. <laughs> um, and only tax preparers will watch it. <laughs> no one else will find it. <laughs> yeah. There's a <laughs> there's a TikTok song. Everybody will want to kill themselves five minutes into it. <laughs> there's a trend on TikTok to use this song. Uh, that's like this goofy little song about like, just say you're an accountant. Nobody asks you any more questions if you just say you're an accountant. <laughs> like, I guess. nobody asks you questions when you're an accountant, you know, about uh, what you do for a living. But anyway, I account. Um, I account for things. <laughs> so, <clears throat> starting 2021 off with inane banter and also the end of a head cold, which is what's going mm. on with my voice. Yes. Um, I saw, and I am trying, so I'm introducing how I became aware of this topic. I saw a link, I want to say it was maybe on Facebook, not initially on our discussion group, but uh, linked somehow. Maybe it was an ad, I honestly don't know, but it was about a disaster. This was, this was in December, I think I saw this. It was about a disaster that the 50th anniversary was going to be January 2nd, 2021. Okay. So it happened January 2nd, 1971. And I started looking into it. I'm like, this would be great. We'll release it. You know, this episode's coming out on the 4th. Like, it'll just be a couple days after. That's perfect. Let me um, let me pull this together. Uh, and I found out that it it's not a single disaster. There's actually two major disasters and multiple minor ones surrounding this disaster so this is actually going to be a two-parter um but i kind of go into that a little bit in the research uh so this is the story of the ilbrox disasters part one 1902 all right okay interesting hi everybody so this is rachel interrupting us um, our own recording. We recorded this yesterday, January 1st, uh, 2021. Today is January 2nd, 2021. We're getting ready to record part two of this. And uh, I only just realized that I have gotten the name of this park, of the stadium, and of this entire neighborhood in Glasgow completely wrong. Somehow, I managed to hallucinate the letter L into hours of reading on it. I just saw Ilbrox the whole time, as you may have heard me just say. It is not Ilbrox, it's Ibrox. And so I'm about to say it like another 25 times in this episode. I seriously considered overdubbing every single one of those. David talked me out of it. Um, I'm just going to move on with this disclaimer apologize profusely to the whole of Scotland for getting this so wrong. And in next week's episode, it won't be like that. I will correct myself. I will do my mea culpa again because I feel terrible that I got something like that so wrong. But whatevs, am human, back to your regularly scheduled programming. 
So I'm going to introduce the main disaster, which we're actually going to cover next week. Okay. That the 50th, and we are going to record it tomorrow, January 2nd, so we're going to record it on the 50th anniversary. Okay. But it won't release until um, the 11th. But at any rate, on January 2nd, 1971, a crowd crush at a Mm. football match at Mm. Ilbrox Park in Glasgow, Scotland, killed 66 people. And injured more than 200 others. It remained the deadliest football disaster in UK history until... Let me guess. The horrific events at... Hillsborough. In 1989, exactly. Which was 96 people? Yes, I believe so. Mm -hmm. However... I've never even heard of this one. I know. However, it was by no means the first tragedy that Ilbrox Park had seen. Yeah, I mean, it's... <clears throat> the the one thing I will say about, uh, well, first of all, I don't think there were any crowd crushes in 2020. Th- something to be thankful exactly. for. Exactly. And frankly... There just weren't any crowds. Frankly, between not being around crowds for almost a year now, and then hearing about multiple crowd disasters, I'm not it's sure I'm weird. going to be in yeah. a crowd anytime soon. Yeah. Period. Like, even after COVID. It's going to feel strange the first time it happens, mm-hmm. but I, I plan on resuming... Uh, and uh, Bob and Omar are on board on resuming our uh, football road trip next season. Oh, okay. Uh, we have lots of choices next season. We've okay. got uh, New Orleans, which is my first choice. Okay. This is for the Bills? Yes. Okay. Uh, New Orleans, Kansas City, Nashville, mm. although I'm not sure I want to go there right now. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's right. There was that um, su- yeah. suicide so, bomber. Yeah. Who only killed himself, thankfully. Well, that's um, better than what it could have been. And uh, there was another spot. But anyway, lots of choices for next year. I would go to New Orleans. New Orleans is my first choice. Or Kansas City. Kansas City is actually kind of fun. But I have a feeling both of those games, if not, certainly one of them will be a Monday night game. Mm. So, if not both of them. Mm-hmm. So, that might leave some other people out, unfortunately. But I want oh, for, ev- uh, uh, for work, work schedules, and yeah. Yeah, things like that. But I want everybody to be able to go. So That's nice. We'll uh, we'll choose some place everybody can go to there you go that's nice very nice and i'll one, go and, and not go to the game and well you'll go for the for the vegas trip because mm. there will be uh they will play in vegas again in the next couple of years Do you know i looked at the vegas you know on your phone you have um at least on an iphone the weather forecast for anywhere you've been mm-hmm. any period long period yeah. of time so i've got like miami and and other places on there and san diego Vegas is like a high of 60 and a low of 40 each night right now. Mm-hmm. It's just like... That's not what? how it was when we were there. <laughs> it was It was really, a high of 113, a yes. low of 110. <laughs> it was double. <laughs> double that. Easy. Oh my goodness. Anyway. I don't think the temperature ever got, at any given time of the day, got under 90 degrees when we were there. Definitely not I under don't think 90. It did. Some days it didn't get under 100. Yeah. Yeah. Any time of the day. Yeah. <laughs> We won't go there in August again. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. I think in October will be pretty good. So my main sources for this, and this is going to bleed into next week too, although I'll have some additional sources. Uh, Main sources, The Football Pink, Glasgow Live, an article in The Guardian called Singing and Dancing to Their Deaths, Football's Forgotten Tragedy by John Hodgson, I believe. I I mention him next week because that's more about the 71 tragedy. Uh, Rangers FC, Stadium Guide, and Wikipedia. So the funny thing is, I had started and was like halfway through this week's episode's research when 
in our discussion group, we became of like group mind mm-hmm. and everyone started predicting what I would do. Not, not intention. Like they weren't saying, oh, this is going to come up. Like a lot of our listeners on our Facebook discussion group will put like this many years ago today, this disaster came up. Mm-hmm. Well, Zoe put up this disaster like a couple days ago. Oh, from, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I was like, I, I responded I with I guess I a, missed that. I know. I responded with a gif, like, or a gif that like, did you read my mind? <laughs> because that's what I was working on. Uh, and then listener Cassandra listen, uh, linked to the article that I just mentioned from The Guardian that I was already using as a source. So basically, we're just all reading each other's minds now at this point. There we go. <laughs> So like I said, I had thought that this was just going to be one episode, but there were a few different factors um, that made me break it into two. One is that just everything that happened before the 71 disaster, and I don't even get to everything that happened before the 71 disaster. That's going to bleed over into next week. I'm sure there were some incidents before this. Yes. Uh, So I didn't want to rush to tell the story like in one mega episode. Uh, Second... This is these are grim disasters. Crowd disasters are not they're not pleasant. Fun, no, and they have a lot of really horrible details. So I didn't want to overwhelm us in a single episode. Um, and then finally, it's tax season. If I can drag a topic out two weeks, you better believe I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and if you have submitted a listener script, it's going to be coming up. Yeah, Trust coming. me. <laughs> Trust me. I was um, ridiculously thinking that somehow I would be able to pump out three parts on the Challenger for the 35th anniversary. Sorry, guys. That's not going to happen. We'll either wait for the 40th or do it on one of our big 100th episodes. We'll figure it out. But uh, anyway, so we're going to start in geography and history corners. Nice. So the location of these disasters is two separate Ilbrox Parks, although we'll get into all of this, in Glasgow, Scotland. Now, we have been to Glasgow before in our Clutha helicopter crash. Oh, that's right. Remember that? Yeah, Mm -hmm. that wasn't too long ago. A couple of months ago, maybe. I think it was a little more than that, but... Oh, okay. It was... We did it before we did the Twilight Zone helicopter crash. Did we? Oh, that's right, because that's what made me think of it. Mm -hmm. You're right. Uh, so anyway, quick primer in case any of us outside of the UK have forgotten, Glasgow is located almost directly due west of Edinburgh in Scotland and is one of the biggest cities in the country. And at least I would think one of the most well known to those outside of, of Scotland. Uh, the stadium is pretty close to the Clutha Club, actually. Uh, it's south of the River Clyde. Remember Clutha Mm -hmm. was meant Clyde. Uh, in a neighborhood called Ilbrooks, hence the name. So Ilbrooks, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I hope it's not like Ilbrooks. How is it spelled? I L B R O X. That's what I f- okay. Ilbrooks. Yeah. But I, th- I was also the- Ilbrooks. 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 I don't know. I was also the one who kept say- being Sorry, so Scotland. proud, <laughs> being so proud that I knew it was the Thames River when it was the Thames. Yeah. But anyway, I would have called it the Thames. The Thames. <laughs> <laughs> but Ilbrooks translates to Badger Ford in okay. Scottish Gaelic. So, is that? So, of course, uh, getting into a football crowd disaster in the UK means getting into the football club system in the UK, oh, which we are still woefully ill-educated <laughs> about. Or we've learned about a little bit, forgotten about completely, at least me. A little bit of both. <laughs> yeah, because we did discuss it. We have. <clears throat> at least in Hillsborough. 
I know we did in Hillsborough. No, it was the we really we discussed it, it in the um, the stadium fire. Remember, we did mm. one where there was a fire in the stands. Bradford. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, obviously, I don't remember anything about it. In terms All I know of... is you can be relegated. Yes, that's right. That's right. So at any rate, Ilbrooks is the home to Rangers Football Club, a current Scottish professional football league football club. Uh, again, just in case, I think we're all catching on to this by this point. But if you're in the States, by football, we mean soccer. Uh, the club informally organized in 1872 when brothers Peter and Moses McNeil formed it with Peter Campbell and William McBeef. You can't tell they're from Scotland William at all. William McBeef. <laughs> McBeef. <laughs> oh, I thought you said McBeef. Not McBeef. <laughs> Not like a McDonald's sandwich. I was going to say that that's such a great name. <laughs> no, it's McBeef. No, I see. see? Like it's, Macbeth just, with an A. I understand. It just sounded like you said McBeef. <laughs> no, but those are all very Scottish names. <clears throat> uh, in their first match, they played in street clothes. Uh, it was a barn burner of a game with a final score of 0-0. Or is it nil-nil? I believe it's nil-nil. Nil-nil. The next year, the club organized and began to climb their way up in stature in Scottish football. By 1888, they participated in what would become their first match against the Celtic Football Club, a friendly match. Celtic. No. No? Really? Mm-hmm. My friend, I looked it up. Oh. It's apparently Celtic. Yeah. Well, I stand corrected. Mm-hmm. Now, see, I say that, and now <laughs> I even put the pronunciation like, in there. I, but now you're, you're making like, did me. I look it up? You're now making me like matter. totally Either question way. it. But it was. Well, it did say Celtic in Wikipedia, so I really hope someone isn't trying to get unwitting U.S. people to mispronounce it. But anyway, it was a friendly match. The Rangers lost five to two. Nevertheless, the two clubs, long considered the two best in Scotland and both calling Glasgow their home, had established a rivalry with the joint name of the Old Firm. Hmm. So every time the Old Firm match, it was between these two teams. There's apparently quite a bit of drama and complication to this rivalry. Like, okay, if you live in Glasgow, are you a Rangers supporter or a Celtic supporter? And uh, it apparently includes like a lot of religion and ethnic origin um yeah uh, apparently at least back in the early days the bulk of rangers fans were protestant and of native scott and ulster scott lineage while the celtics fans were catholic and had northern irish roots so at any rate i'm not gonna dig too much further into that (laughs) just to throw in a little extra disdain i guess uh but i the Protestants seems, versus the Catholics. <laughs> it's it's a lot. I'm sure it's a lot more nuanced than someone from the U.S. Yes. is ever going to. I don't want to massively misrepresent. This. I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's just a little bit of bitterness there between those two groups. Apparently, quite a bit. Just a tad. Uh, and I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to um, insult the whole of Northern Ireland and Scotland. So, <laughs> <laughs> just some of it. Suffice it to say that Guardian article I mentioned described the rivalry as, quote, deep and violent, end quote, so. Like Bill's Dolphins. (laughs) Except I don't think there's a religious divide between the two. There is not, that I'm aware of, anyway. (laughs) The Rangers had initially made their home in Kinning Park, a suburb 
to the south of the River Clyde, and basically a hop, skip, and a jump uh, west-southwest of the aforementioned Clutha. This first pitch had been able to accommodate up to 20,000 people, but it had no room for expansion, so they started scoping out a new site to the west in the neighborhood of Ilbrooks. They signed a lease for 10 years on the land and built the pitch and spectator areas, which ended up being an uncovered stand in the north end of the field, which could hold 1,200 fans with terracing on the other sides. So do you know what terracing is? I had to look this up. No, explain it. So I think it is like a a term that's not really used here in the States. Um, So I had to look it up. Basically, it's like concrete steps in lieu of bleachers. I actually have a picture. Okay. Because this kind of threw me. So I I get the lower bowl there. Yeah. It's just it's just like a stair step, but made with all. Well, that's that's uh, that's how we do stadiums today. In some places. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think. At NC State, there were bleachers. There were backless bleachers. Metal bleachers. Mm. Uh-huh. It was not this. Okay. No, no way. And at most football sta- American football stadiums, it's seats. It folding is. seats. Yep. So I've never been in a stadium that has concrete steps. That I've sat in, at least. I don't know if... Meaning the whole thing is concrete, completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I, I see yeah, this is one now. big block of concrete. I'm there. I'm just looking at yeah we make concretes but the whole thing is right. concrete. It's just one yeah, big you don't slab really of see that. carved out concrete. But hey, at least there won't be a fire. <laughs> that's true. They won't they won't catch on fire. <laughs> that's why not that's why it's flammability. That's why stadiums are their most used material is concrete. Yeah, yeah. Um. So the inaugural match at the new Ilbrox Park took place on August 20th, 1887. It amazes me how old these teams are, you know. That sounds about right. I mean... No, uh, no, no, I agree. I'm not saying it's not. It's just, like, our sports at best go back to the late late 19th century. Uh, Pretty much just baseball and basketball. Yeah. Yeah, everything else has its roots pretty much in, in the 20th. early 19th, yeah, yeah. Early, early 20th century. Right, early 1900s, 100s. yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I still have to stop and think every time, like, translating. What century is yes. this? <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, anyway, they played against Preston North End. They were in a, they were able to expand this site, which was the whole reason they chose it in the first place, and added more stands to the south side of the field. They landed some big matches at the field, which is really what the whole point of sure. expanding capacity is, uh, including the 1890 Scottish Cup final. Uh, in the 1890-91 season, the Rangers became an inaugural member of the new Scottish Football League. The Rangers and their field were really up and coming, but despite the expansion, Ilbrox was still too small for some events, including the 1892 Scottish Cup final, for which the league was expecting 30,000 spectators, which for the late 19th century, that's a huge crowd. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, this was also around the same time that the first disaster at Ilbrox occurred. So I can only find a very small mention of this in Wikipedia. Couldn't find it anywhere else because you look up Ilbrox, 1971 comes up. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really hard to find any other information. I was able to find the 1902 well, because info, it's also, but... And also the information is really old. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there just not might not be anything to archive. You're right about that. And also just things that would seem to be, like, <gasps> today were kind of like... I don't know, people... Do- <laughs> it just... 
people Shit people happened. had their blood let back in this <laughs> yeah. time so i mean yeah well how shocking is it yeah exactly but at any rate did um, you hear the next stadium disaster <laughs> but it basically it, it was just overshadowed by other stuff so it was difficult to search for um but at any rate, what apparently happened was there was some form of a grandstand collapse mm. at a match against England and two people died. The first deaths at Ilbrox, but not the last. Sure. So these size and stand problems were compounded by pitch issues in subsequent years. It became pretty clear that the Rangers had outgrown their home at the first Ilbrox Park. The directors of the Rangers approved 20,000 pounds to be spent on the construction of a new park. Now, I did find a uh, British pound inflation calculator, which oh, was okay. helpful. Uh, so I can definitely give you the pounds, but obviously currency exchange rates would have been much different back then than they are now, or could have been a lot different. So I will give the US dollars for this, but then I'm going to give up on giving US dollars. So basically, it was about two and a half million pounds today. Okay. Uh, somewhere in the ballpark of with today's exchange rates uh, to about uh, 3.4 million US dollars. So... It was a financially risky move and left the club in debt to the tune of 9,000 pounds, which is over a million pounds today. Yeah. Yeah. So for their next move, the Rangers didn't move far at all. In fact, they just went to the lot next door where they built ground up the second Ilbrox Park. And in fact, part of the second park's site overlapped the first. Uh, This second park is the one that remains today. It's now known as Ilbrox Stadium. The last game at the first park, at least that's better than like Pro Player Stadium, or <laughs> they keep changing <laughs> the names based one. on that. Uh... That was like eight names ago. <laughs> yes, I know. That's what that's what Dolphin Stadium was called when I was coming up. Was I was gonna say like in the mid nineties, I think. Mm-hmm. My dad to this day insists on calling it Joe Robbie. <laughs> when, when Pro Player was trying to be the rival startup to Starter. <laughs> what even was pro player? I don't. I don't know. It was like the. It, it was you know how website? there's you know how there's transformers and there's GoBots like. Pro, I know transformers. I've never heard of GoBots. Pro, pro player was like uh, apparel. They were trying to be like the you know starter brand like shirts and coats. Oh, okay, and things starter. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were pro player. Oh no, and it nobody. Just, it just, yeah, it just, <laughs> just didn't work. Uh, did we? I think we went to it together when it was Landshark Stadium. It was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I have fins stuck in my head. <laughs> Big game this weekend. The the rivalry is back. Uh-huh. Too bad I'm not a football <laughs> fan. Uh one day I will do a multi-parter on chronic traumatic encephalopathy and we'll t- we'll discuss that. We'll yeah. get to that. <laughs> so the last game at the original Ilbrox Park was played on December 9th, 1899, and the second Ilbrox was opened on December 30th, 1899, literally like two days before the turn of the 20th century. And they played the Hearts, which is short for the Heart of Midlothian Football Club, over whom the Rangers triumphed 3-1. to one. Uh, Greatly expanded in capacity, the second park could accommodate 40,000 spectators. It had a really similar setup to the old park with the grandstand on one end and was roughly shaped like an oval. Shortly after it opened, they nearly doubled the capacity of the park to 75,000. Wow. Yeah. 
This increase paid off almost immediately as the new Ilbrooks Park was narrowly, like by one vote, voted to host the 1902 British Home Championship match between England and Scotland. Mm. So this is a championship series, or was a championship series, that took place between the four national teams of the UK. Do you think you could name the four national teams of the UK? Uh, so we've got Scotland and England. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ireland? Which Ireland? Northern? What Ireland, yes. Because <laughs> as we know, Ireland they're, is they're, not part of the UK. That is true. Northern Ireland is. We're well and aware now. I will go with... What's, um, the, what's the last country in the UK? Let's see. Um... The other one. <laughs> the one with all the consonants. That's the one. Wales. Oh, yeah, there we go. Uh, so it was played between those Just what I was gonna say. <laughs> national teams for 100 years between 1884 and 1894. Um, I looked into it a little bit, and apparently it was eventually stopped kind of partially. Did you mean 1984? 1884 and 18... 1984. 1984. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I, I said 1894. Because <laughs> you said over 100 years, and that was only like six. <laughs> it was 10. <laughs> but yeah, 1984, sorry, yes. Uh, so it was basically stopped because of like decreased interest and also increased hooliganism. Wrong. It so. was stopped because of George Orwell. <laughs> it was stopped because I was born. <laughs> that too. It's my birth year. It was stopped uh, because. So that's that's the that's the key. It was stopped before Reagan was uh, or when Reagan was reelected. Now, part of the increased capacity of the stadium was due to stands being installed that were designed by noted Scottish stadium architect and Rangers supporter Archibald Leach, (laughs) who pretty much has the most Scottish name possible, Archibald Leach. His contribution was known as the West Tribune Stand and was built on a steel frame with beams secured in a concrete foundation. On top of that were 96 rows of wooden bleachers. Now I have the a picture of the back. We will see the wooden bleachers in a okay. second, but this is what the back looked like. It kind of looks like a, a roller coaster. Yeah, uh, yeah, like wooden, the trusses. Wooden, yep. Yeah, the X-shaped. Makes sense. You can tell I'm an architect. The X-shapes and the squares <laughs> and the squares with the X's and all the wood, wood, wood. All that stuff. Yes, and steel. Wooden, but it makes sense to... They, looks like they had a good design to be able to... Yeah, withstand a lot of force. It seems very... Efficient. Um, yeah, or very uh, buttressed. Sure. Maybe is the word I'm looking for, yep. Uh, the maximum capacity of the West Tribune stand was stated at 35,913. So that's part of how they got that increased capacity. As set by a surveyor who allowed for personal space... So this is how they figured the capacity, right? Like, they have to... They have to considered standard dimensions for everybody, right? Sure. So they were allowing for a space of 16 inches long and 14 inches wide. Or uh, 41 centimeters by 36 centimeters. So think about that. That's that's not very... This is about a foot. I know this isn't playing well on audio. But so it's 14 inches wide. So Mm -hmm. they were... I mean, that's technically possible. People were smaller back then. They were, yeah. But, but where's your, your sh- my yeah. shoulders are broader yes. than fourteen inches wide. My shoulders, and I'm not a I'm not a giant person. And I'm guessing back then everybody's shoulders were broad because people did people a lot of worked, manual labor. Right? Yeah. Yes, that's what you know. Yeah, what I mean? it just seems like sardine. Oh level. well, that's exactly what it maybe is. Maybe they were figuring kids in there too. Uh, maybe. 
But it's it's mostly like back then. I mean, we're we're talking. I mean, they it's got a they, they got twenty years ago. They got a little bit of building code, so that's progress. Yeah, that's. There was a surveyor the whole, inspector. Yeah, but the the whole goal is to shove as many yes. people into that location. Like I've watched some things on the history of stadiums, and it's mm-hmm. it's pretty fascinating because at this time, people are just going to see a game. Mm-hmm. There aren't yes. food vendors and that right. kind of thing. Like that would come halftime entertainment. Right. That would come. That would all right. food vendors were like the first thing that they brought into a game. Mm-hmm. Like, well, there are going to be people here for three or four hours. Right. We should make them food. Right. Like. You well, go to, we should make us money. <laughs> well, you go to a stadium now, and duh, oh, yeah. like you you wouldn't have a stadium without. But right. back at this time, people mm-hmm. just showed up to see a game, so they're trying to cram as many people in there as possible right. for ticket money. Mm-hmm. That's the only source of revenue you had mm-hmm. back then. Very true. Very true. There wasn't a huge sprawling parking lot where you could, you know, park your cars because nobody because they didn't exist. That's true. <laughs> Park your buggy. Here's yeah, a buggy. Park lot. your horse. I'm sure there were plenty of like stables, stables. and things. Like, I'm <laughs> yeah, sure there so. were. Yeah. I guess so. Did they have parking stables back then? I'm sure they did. They had to have. I guess. Yeah. You're just not going to let a couple of thousand horses just run wild <laughs> all over the place. There were train stations by then. That's true. The underground wouldn't have been running back then, though, right? I, that I don't know. Make but sure I, I'm just trying to put myself in the in the frame of what it would would have been like to go I to this know. event. In the early 20th century. You know what's so weird is that 120 years from now, people are going to talk about our infrastructure the same way we're talking Probably. about this. It's so weird. <laughs> and they'll have us talking about it preserved if audio is still a thing. Yes. By then, it'll be all ESP. It'll just be nobody will talk or listen. Right. So at any rate, Archibald Leach what himself was not super fond of this set capacity. He expressed his own concern that it was too much after visiting the stadium and uh, after the stadium. Yeah, we're, been we're talking about one section holding thirty six thousand people. I mean, that's made of wood and steel. Yeah, that's in just, a concrete foundation. That's just yeah. not going to work. Despite these concerns. The championship match went on as planned on the afternoon of April 5th, 1902, which 68,000 fans attended at a cost of one shilling each. I didn't even bother to try and translate what a shilling would be. I think it's a penny. I think is, it are is. Are there 100 shillings in a pound? Please, British I, listeners, let I, us know. That I don't know. Um, anyway, kickoff was at 3.30 p.m., and the match started off very tensely, as any match, big match would, and remained scoreless for about the first 10 minutes. Shocking. Now, this is my next statement. A winger, parentheses, do not know what this is, will have David explain. In parentheses, okay. what's a winger in, in soccer and football? It, it, it's, well, it's a winger in football, uh, American football would be a wide receiver. Well, what's a winger in... You have your centerman. Okay. And you have your. So it's probably depending same, on the same system you use, right? but back then I'm sure systems hadn't yet been completely created. Mm-hmm. So you have your centerman and your left and your right wing. So it's all about those are your those are your scorers. Those are your guys. Yes. Thank okay. you. Actually, oh. there you go. I only know because I just watched one of the Office episodes with Idris Elba when he um he, they, everyone found out he was a big soccer fan and so they um. All were sucking up to him, and anyway, he used the term striker. Hot tip: If you're in the U.S., uh, the the U.S. office is no longer available on Netflix because it went to NBC's streaming service. 
Get a VPN, which you already should have for security. Put yourself in the UK. You can watch it on Netflix. You can thank me later. Sorry. So winger. And you explained it. Thank you. Well, I, I did, but you explained it better by just calling it what is now called a striker. A scorer. Yes. It's like someone in position to score. They're okay. the guys that stay in the offensive zone only. Gotcha. They, pretty much. They never drift past midfield. They're not a defenseman. They are not. What would the hockey they, equivalent of a winger be? A winger. Oh, yeah. I didn't know there were wingers. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a forward in hockey? Well, technically, they are also called forwards. Yes. Is there a center in hockey? Yes, you know that. That's the person who faces off. It is. Is a center. Mm-hmm. So is is it all relatively analogous? For example, like as a power forward in basketball, equivalent to a forward in hockey, roughly. There are there are certain wingers that are known as power forwards okay. because they're like six four and two hundred and forty right. pounds. So yeah, that analogy. You, you can use that, but it's, it's more prevalent in basketball, obviously. To further go down this obscure line of questioning, do you know who comes to my mind always, like mentally, when I think power forward? Larry Patrick Johnson. Uning? Oh. <laughs> Patrick Euning. <laughs> Patrick Eunick. <laughs> he, sir, was a center. He was. <clears throat> now Larry Johnson, LJ. There you go. Of the 98-99 Knicks. I know that for sure. I know too much about the 98-99 Knicks. First overall pick by the Charlotte Hornets in 92, I believe. Mm. Or 91. But he uh, he was a power played forward. Z- played with Zoe in Charlotte. Oh, okay. Um, he's who I always think of um, when I think power forward. Because he was a tall, big guy. He was. And so I always think of power forwards is exactly what it sounds like. Anyway, this guy was a winger. <laughs> Named Bobby. Just steer the ship right back right around. Right back around. See how flawlessly I did that? Uh, his name was Bobby Templeton. He gained possession of the ball, causing quite a bit of an energy rush through the crowd as they looked to see, uh, as it looked as though the first score might finally happen. Also, from what I can tell, soccer sounds really boring based on these scores. But anyway. And there um, was a mode in uh, one of the FIFA games that I played where you could play with, like, the ball mechanics. You could play with, like, an early 20th century Oh, really? World it was Cup it just team. harder? The ball didn't... You couldn't... Mm. You couldn't kick the ball 50 yards, like, on a... like. That is a good point. I the, didn't the even ball, think of that. The ball weighed like five pounds back then. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> that just like every U.S. sport is massively different than it was 120 oh, yeah, years ago. Oh yeah, completely evolved. Yeah, you didn't. You of didn't, course. You didn't see That's guys. Silly. Yeah, you didn't see goalies drop kicking a ball a hundred yards in the air. Like it just it <laughs> right. physically was okay. not possible. Fair enough. Now I feel like I unfairly. So the game was the game was slower. It. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Now, 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 I mean, even if there's not scoring, it's still pretty exciting to watch because the ball's flying all over the fucking place. Yeah. Like going 50 or 60 yards at a time. Yeah. So, uh, because the stadium was not quite to its 75,000 person capacity, remember it was closer to 68, there was actually some empty spaces to be found in the stands. Uh, but the new excitement, like, okay, now things are maybe picking up or maybe... You know, like, I'm sure as you're watching this really boring game, if someone almost scores, you're like, ooh, something could happen. So people started moving down uh, the West Tribune stand, like, towards the front where there were some empty seats, increasing the load on the bleachers. 
The stands bore the increased weight for a little bit, but eventually it couldn't hold much longer. Now, accounts vary on the exact time of this disaster. Some sources say it was about 10 to 15 minutes into the match. Others say that it was closer to about 30 minutes, but at any rate, during the first period, right? The bleachers near the back of the West Tribune stand finally broke under the pressure, creating a gaping hole in the stand and sending those who had just been on those very stands, estimated to be between 200 and 300 people, plummeting down over 40 feet or 21 meters, or, or sorry, no, no, 12 meters. That is a long drop. Yes, toward a mess of steel and concrete. Oh my God. Here is a picture of the hole in the stands. Oh my God. Do you also see how the stands yep. behind it, like, buckled? Have, bu- yeah, yep. like, so people slid forward. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Fall- so no. that hole was estimated to be. Um, that looks like something out of a fucking nightmare. 70 feet by 10 feet, or oh 21 meters by yeah, 1 meter. Yeah, it's a whole set. Look at it. It's a whole, yeah, it's a whole, whole section, top section. Yeah, a whole section. Yep. It looks like the Sarlacc pit from Return of the Jedi, except this is real life. Uh, can you imagine just like. It's like a a sinkhole, but in stands. In a stadium. Oh, man. Survivor Ernest Tate would later testify, quote, The floor gave no warning before it gave way. There was a sudden crack below us. I had time to look down and see the joists split up, and then we fell among them through the gap. Mm. End quote. And again, the gap was estimated to have been about 70 feet by 10 feet or 21 by 1 meter. Falling on top of each other. Yes. Yes. Of course, those who had just seen a massive sinkhole appear and their neighbors fall such a great distance were terrified. And what did they do? They rushed down the stands, causing further injury and death in a crush. Some of the players would later state they thought the fans were rushing the pitch. Like, they, cause so like why else would some... Like. They didn't yeah. know that they were trying to, like, literally escape death, so... Gameplay ceased and rescue operations began. It was a very grim scene with many people suffering grievous injuries. It was difficult for rescuers to reach the dead and injured because they were basically in a steel cage. Yes. All that steel framework, right? It was decided that the match should continue. After about 20 minutes, in order to avoid a crowd disaster by evacuating. You remember the Who disaster? I do. Where they decided they to playing. go on because they wanted to... Or not kept playing. They decided to play. They decided, to, decided play. to go on after all. Yeah. Now, because there was still 60,000 plus people. And if they were going to evacuate them... I mean, in 1902 logic, this almost makes sense. I don't know. It it uh, It's hard to criticize one way or the other but the players were aware that something really bad had happened um, although not all of them knew the extent of the tragedy it was reported that the scottish goalie ned doig cried throughout the second half of the match due to the trauma of carrying on playing as people were dead and dying nearby i mean can you even imagine 20 minutes later they're still like fishing people out of out of the stands so and you're and they're like okay go on go on keep playing and just like i'm sorry how the fuck am i supposed to keep playing when like dead people are right over there it draws a bit of a parallel to our 1900 big game disaster Mm -hmm. 
because the game kept going up, but the the difference between they didn't know, this, right? they didn't really know no. what had happened. Yeah. Yeah, because the but at least some of the people in the sense, obviously, the the ones that fell into the sinkhole predominantly had, mm-hmm. had an idea of what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the players did too. Yeah. The game ended in a one-to-one draw, but the match was later declared void. It was replayed the following month and ended two-to-two. <laughs> so, there's a draw. Either way. Welcome to Association Football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In 1902. <laughs> yes. So interesting. Um, we don't have outcomes. Now, considering we haven't even gotten to the deadliest tragedy at Ilbrox yet, which we will next week. I mean, that, this that one you was could do, bad. You could do one, an episode up off this alone. We are. No, I'm just saying, you could, <laughs> I'm saying you could do the sinkhole part as its own. Yeah, we are. This is the, this is this week's episode. We're not talking about 1971 I, this week. I understand. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know. You're agreeing I mean, with me that. Whatever. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not, no. I'm not articulating very well okay. what I'm trying to say. <laughs> okay. That's all right. This is part of another disaster is what I'm saying. Well, I'm kind of packaging yeah. them as a twofer. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. That's why I'm calling it, because if you, if you search Ilbrox disaster, the 71 comes up and I didn't realize that there was another. So first of all, I haven't even told you how many people died. How many people died? Do you think in this? Uh, it wasn't 66 because that no. was. Um, uh, my guess is like 20 something. 25. Okay. You did not Samsonite that. I you got not. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and considering that we haven't even gotten to the deadliest tragedy at this mm. park yet. So yeah. And over 500. Hundred people were injured. That I. That's yeah. a massive amount of injuries. Well, look at the size of the hole in the yes. freaking. Uh huh. Including the aforementioned Ernest Tate, he spent two weeks in the hospital, or at hospital, or in hospital. I think it's so cute that you guys say like in hospital or at uni. <laughs> cute. Anyway, um, after suffering injuries to his arms, rib, ribs, and ankle. Many of the injured suffered severe cuts and gashes oh, because I'm of sure. the splintered yeah. wood. And steel. And the... Uh, the majority of those who lost their lives were, it was due to head injuries mm-hmm. sustained to their skulls, yeah. either due to the impact of the fall to the ground or because they hit steel girders yeah. on their way down. Some people were lucky, unlucky enough, depending on how you look at it, to not hit the ground, but to get caught on the steel girders and have to be lowered by rescuers. Those who had fallen sustained such disfiguring injuries that they were difficult to identify. In one case, a man was afraid his 25-year-old son, William, had died in the, in the disaster, and he went to one of the infirmaries to try to identify his son. Uh, William wasn't there, couldn't be identified as an injured person, so his, the father was sent to over to the morgue, where he found a victim he believed to be William, and he identified him. While the father was arranging for his son's funeral, William got home. Oh, my God. It wasn't him. Obviously a big relief to William and his father, but a horrible tragedy mm-hmm. to another family. To so else. it's just, ugh, awful. The crowd disaster component, when everybody rushed to get away from this, this I keep calling it a sinkhole, that's not what it is, but still... Um, it's kind of what it is. Kind of contributed to eight of the deaths. Hmm. An additional three deaths were due to shock or heart attack. While 24 of the victims died almost immediately, the final official victim, Peter Patterson, 
died three weeks later. Within the next three years, another two deaths were attributed to injuries the decedents had suffered during the disaster. So it actually could be more like 27 Mm. officially. Sure. Yeah. So the 1902 disaster is generally considered the first football stadium disaster. Interesting. Uh, the most, the most certainly, as we know, not the last, not even close. nor the deadliest, even at Ilbrox itself, which we'll get to next week. Because it was such a high casualty incident and so clearly one caused by a definite event, the collapse of the wooden stands, it incensed the public who cried out for justice and defined who to blame. Um, because that's just what people do. They want someone to blame, right? So a criminal investigation was undertaken and resulted in criminal charges being brought against one individual, a man named Alexander McDougall, again, Scottish names, uh, who had supplied the lumber for the stands. Uh, And he was charged two weeks after the collapse. So when Archibald Leach had designed the stadium, his designs called for red pine to be used for the wooden bleachers. But McDougall had instead installed yellow pine, which was nicknamed bastard pine. (coughs) Yes. Yes. See, I don't edit. Which was cheaper and considered to be (coughs) subpar to red pine. So basically like a a corner cut, right? Mm -hmm. The criminal charges hinged on this and because Leach and the Rangers had... You know, it could be Leitch. L-E-I-T-C-H. No, it's Leith, right? So it would be Leach. Uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. Because Leach and the Rangers had specifically requested red pine, they were considered not criminally responsible for its use. So basically, they were positing, the state was positing, that the only reason this happened was because of the yellow pine. Sure. So it's on this guy for it. And there was a little more nuance than that. Uh, well, let's see. Mm. When McDougal was tried in July of 1902, so that just happened a few months after the disaster, it was asserted that he chose to use the yellow pine, quote, culpably and recklessly and in violation or neglect of his duty. Yeah, that I believe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. McDougal's defense asserted that it wasn't the material used that was to blame, but Leach's design, which was incapable of bearing the weight of the anticipated crowds, regardless of the material. Mm, yeah. Leach testified at McDougal's trial and insisted that he told the lumber supplier multiple times he didn't want yellow pine to be used and only discovered it had been used the week of the collapse or the week after the collapse. It was even after the fact. Further, he asserted his designs were perfectly adequate if the red pine had been used. But McDougal's defense included testimony from an expert witness, a highly a highly respected civil engineer, Sir Benjamin Baker. I mean, if you're a knight and an engineer, you're going to carry some clout, right? Who made it clear he believed it was indeed Leach's design that was inferior, not the lumber. The jury deliberated only a half an hour before hmm. delivering a verdict of not guilty for McDougal, and no further criminal charges were brought against any party. So that was that. Hmm. The opinion of the time seemed to largely be that there were multiple factors that contributed to the collapse, not just the wood. Primarily, it seemed the overcrowding was the match that lit the fuse, so to speak. 
Immediately after the incident, the Rangers lowered the height of the West Tribune stand and triple reinforced the seal, the steel, bleh, such that even if the yellow pine seats snapped, nobody would fall through. Matches resumed at Ilbrook's later that year, though with like a much reduced capacity throughout the stadium. I think it was like 25,000 or something. So very, very light capacity. Obviously, the reputation of both the Rangers Football Club and Archibald Leach took a major hit as a result of the collapse. Leach, for his part, expressed great remorse for the failure of his, his design regardless of the cause, stating, quote, I need hardly say what unutterable anguish the accident caused me, end quote. The Rangers, who, as I mentioned before, were already in debt, like equivalent almost a million pounds or over a million pounds because of the construction of the new park, now not only had to deal with the fact that 25 people died on their new park grounds, but that they had to immediately spend another 2,000 pounds, which is roughly today about a quarter million pounds, for emergency repairs and reinforcements of the stands. Not only that, but they now face the fact that they basically have to completely overhaul their entire stadium, which was only about three years old at this point. Mm -hmm. The Rangers' financial troubles quickly translated into problems on the field because what happens to a sports team when they need money and they need money fast? You cut costs. What's your highest cost? Oh, employees, generally. Namely whom? management players your biggest star players yeah is the answer in this case anyway so they had to cut 22 of their best players and put them up for trade yeah no yeah. Like, we'll just take anybody from from the town yep now they were able to win the scottish cup the following year but then basically for another like 25 years they were irrelevant in football because they just couldn't compete like they, they didn't have the money nope yeah. They didn't have the talent. Yeah. Because, because they, didn't they didn't have, have the, the money. money. Exactly. Regardless of the costs, the club got to work on the park's renovation the next year in 1904. Archibald Leach begged the Rangers to let him redesign and fix his mistake. And they let him. Uh, with wooden seating now a clear liability, all the wooden stands were completely demolished, being replaced with huge embankments and concrete terraces, like we saw, that would accommodate the crowds with absolutely nothing to fall through. <laughs> now we know why nice. the concrete terraces work. <clears throat> with an initial budget of £12,000, or £1.5 today, for the renovation, the Rangers clearly decided not to cut corners because, like most major construction projects, it ran massively over budget, eventually costing the club £45,000 or £6 million today. That's more That's than a, triple. It's quadruple yeah. what they thought it was going to be. Uh, yeah, and that was just that that's and it was also more than double what it had cost to build the park in the first place just a few years earlier. While the 1902 disaster is certainly more than enough tragedy for a single stadium to see in its lifetime, unfortunately, it would not be the last, nor the most devastating. And that's where we're going to stop this week in part one of the Ilbrox disasters. Wow. That's, uh... Just the that image I can't get out of my I head know. of the 
the collapsing the upper the upper tier of the stand yes. just having a giant hole in it. Yes, that's a good point. So, like judging from because details are slim because this is such an old uh, event, but, but can... there were ninety six rows, right? Mm-hmm. And this appears to have affected counting from the top, not from the bottom. One, two, three. Four, like rows five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. ten. Yeah. yeah. Like the top, and then the, t- the top five also slid. So basically, anyone in the top ten rows for one whole section were screwed. Yeah. That's why it was like between 200 and 300 people. And look where it cuts off, and this one plank of yep. seating is mm-hmm. intact. Mm-hmm. And you know, all those people saw. Yes, sitting what the right. Fuck just happened. There. Can you, you know? imagine sitting on that edge and seeing right a, a next to you? A hole beneath you? A sarlacc oh pit beneath God. you? Oh my God. It'd be I terrifying. Mean, yeah. That's, that, that is a scary photo. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yep. But I'm. But to be somewhat honest, like I, you can tell just from this photo how big the stadium is. This is just one. I know, right? This is uh-huh. one little section. You can tell right mm-hmm. there, you can fit. Well, not not today. You could fit back then, right. you know, a couple thousand people in that area. And that's just one corner of the stadium. Right. Um, we're going to get into uh, football crowds in the uh, early-ish 20th century England more next week. Uh, before we even get to the 71 disaster, like... We're not done with Ilbrook's no. disasters. There's more shit that happened. It, and it also makes me think of, like, there is something unique about crowd disasters mm-hmm. and football slash soccer. Mm. I mean, there really is. It doesn't really happen in other sports. But the, we, we covered mm. one where it did, mm-hmm. but that sport is still being played today. But that disaster happened 120 years ago. And it didn't have anything to do with like a crowd crush. Or it had to do well. With... Eight of the eight of the deaths actually did have to do. with Yes, crowd crush. but that's what I'm saying. Like that. That's kind of. But unique. it was secondary to that. And it's also just kind of unique to that sport for some reason. I don't know what it is. Do you think it's the stadium designs? That probably doesn't help. But there's also it's their passion level is just Agreed, something that we can. But this had nothing to do with hooliganism. I understand. No, I understand. But just. I don't know. There, I yeah. again, I can't explain it exactly how I want to, but there's just something. It's like, why does this? Like, why does this keep happening? And mm-hmm. uh, my thought is that there's something about the designs because, like, we were t- even just talking. These stadiums are so much older than the stadiums in the states, right? Like the football stadiums Most and baseball. Sta- some of the baseball stadiums are old. Yeah. But, but they've been rem- renovated no. to no. And most football stadiums are brand new these we days. We constantly raise and build new mm-hmm. stadiums, right? So I honestly think, other than maybe Green Bay and Chicago, I th- I think Buffalo's got the other oldest mm. stadium. I think it's those three teams. And those are easily 20th century stadiums or mid 20th oh, yeah. century stadiums. Oh, yeah. We're they've talking... all they've all received upgrades mm-hmm. in this century. And right, but... we're talking like 1800s to early 1900s yeah. here. So I feel like the designs, no matter how much you upgrade them, I mean, like they, at, like at least after this, they tore down the wooden stands and put in terracing. But we don't even have terraced. No, that, that's gone. That's completely gone. So it's. Yeah. I wonder you, if it you is a design do see those, thing. like especially if you're watching like uh, '80s or early '90s baseball or football mm-hmm, highlights, mm-hmm. Uh, like. The old Tiger Stadium had uh-huh. uh, terrace seating. Okay. So did the old uh, Cleveland Municipal Stadium mm-hmm. where the Browns used to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the 
the original Baltimore Colts used to play had terrace seating. Like Maybe? that that used to be that used to be just a, a basic design. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was necessarily anything wrong with the design in, in itself because stadiums wouldn't have used it if there wasn't. But it's an outdated design. You know, it, an- it just it just kind of is. Another over thing, here anyway. Yes, a couple other things is that in general here in the states, first, uh, yes, we are a younger quote-unquote younger country it meaning since colonialism but um we don't have the same respect for buildings and older structures as i think they do in europe like you can walk around rome and there's the fucking coliseum mm-hmm. here in i uh, that's the first time i swore this episode there you wow, go. like listen to me um here, like everything, you have to go specifically seeking out old buildings. They're yeah. hard to find. Well, it's... we have a tendency to to destroy when they're all you know within the first. Yes, money. You're right. You're I mean, right. it really has to do with that. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. And since, why since renovate the, when you can when just you can just tear it down and build a new one and build a new one? Yep, exactly. That, that's the American way. You're right. I mean, you're I right. Mean, one of the most historic stadiums in our country's history, and I'm. I am a Yankees fan, but I mean Yankee Stadium. The original Yankee Stadium mm-hmm. is gone. Yeah, they they tore it down. Right? Yeah, they did. I mean, you yeah. would, but in any in just about any other country of all the events that took place, and I'm not mm-hmm. talking about just sports events. Plenty mm-hmm. of things took yeah. place there. The Beatles. Well, I bet I mean, Lou uh, Gehrig's uh, luckiest man speech uh, took there. Right? Yes, it, it took place there. right? Yeah, or, I mean, most other countries would be like, no, we're gonna preserve it, make a museum out of it, or whatever. Again, they or renovate it. Right, they are giant structures. To be honest, yes. we're not talking about a building. No, we're talking about something that covers city blocks upon right. city blocks. Mm-hmm. But still. Yeah, you know, there's we don't have that same affinity towards. You're right. You're right. New and better. New is better. Exactly. Is, is our kind of yeah. like. So we can, just, we can just tear it down and build a better one. So the irony is that possibly, and this is just speculation, but possibly because of that, we see less of this stuff here. But might be. Yeah. But I mean, you can't say that it's a worthy trade-off because capitalism kills more than it. <laughs> Maybe that'll be our last bad thing. Capitalism, anyway. Um, but it, it is interesting. Uh, I, I agree. I see what you're saying about like the passion. I do think that it's different. It, um, it is a different the level. Comparable in terms of stadiums. The comparable sport here is American football. Sure. And NASCAR too. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. But I just don't know much about NASCAR. It's hard for me to comment, but in, um, American football the the mode of play is so much slower mm-hmm. that it doesn't build the same intensity that soccer does. That's true. In 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 the soccer slash game, football, in real time. there's something happening pretty much all the time. Yes. Uh huh. Literally in football, something happens once every forty seconds. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and and the only the comparable sports in terms of play action is hockey and basketball yeah there's something the ball is, take or place the puck is constantly moving closed stadiums mm-hmm. almost the all the time yeah uh have much smaller capacities than outdoor stadiums yeah so there's fewer people um More hockey action. fans are too polite to cause crowd disasters now i say that and i, I watch something say, horrible I... happen but um that's a joke. That's just a joke. say you've but... never been to Montreal to watch a hockey game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's not like here. Trust me. <laughs> I remember, I remember my 
sister went to uh, Montreal in the middle of uh, the Stanley or the playoffs. They made, they made the conference final for the first time, and at that time would have been like six or seven years. I remember her being and like texting me, be like, "Is there something hockey going on yes, here? There Everybody is. seems really <laughs> obsessed with something." <laughs> what gave it away? Oh, that's so funny. But yeah, is there something hockey going? Is on? Is there something? It's hockey? Canada. The There's answer, always the answer something is hockey yes. going on, yes. Could be four in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, between our, um, our inane banter and this horror... I know. I. This is one of the... Yeah. This is the I don't lead wanna, up. This yeah. is the lead up. Yeah, I don't want to think about what happens next. Yeah, but, and uh, it happened 50 years ago tomorrow. Mm. Like, when we record it. In fact... No, no, no. They're, they're not 12... <laughs> Scotland is not 12 hours ahead of us in time. Never mind. Like six, right? Like five or six, depending yeah. on the time of year, I think. Yeah. Um, anyway, I was going to say just about now, but no. By the time we record it, we'll have passed the time of uh, 50 years. But yeah, it gets worse. It gets worse. And it gets worse. Also, like the more modern a disaster is, the creepier it gets because it's... Well, like, you feel like it's, well, it's a different because, world. Well, it's because we're, we are supposed to have figured that out by now. Well, there's you know that, I mean? too. But yeah. that's not always the case. Also, 1971 was 50 years ago. How about that? I, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a birthday coming up. I thought about this last night. Uh-huh. Somebody born in the year 2000 mm-hmm. will be old enough to drink this year. You're right. And... I'm just not on board with that. <laughs> we're not okay with that. I'm not okay with it at all. We're not okay with that. Sorry if you were born. Uh... Some people born in the year two, year 2000 who were born today are already old enough to drink. But I'm not having it. <laughs> I just refuse. Yeah. No. I'm not going out anymore. <laughs> well, because of COVID. We haven't um, got our vaccines yet. Well, that. Yes, of course. Um by the way, some people I know have though. Really? Yeah, Bob. Yeah. Bob got. His. Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Bob got his. Um, healthcare workers that we know, people who work in, mm-hmm. in the industry, are the ones who have been getting it, which is wonderful. Please, please, please get your vaccine. Yes. It is not Cause the Bill, virus. Because Bill Gates can already track you through your cell phone. Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> No joke. First of all, there's no microchip in the vaccine. Second, yes, you are already being You're already observed. being watched. You don't have to worry about a microchip. What are they going to do? They're... Extra watch you? <laughs> watch you really hard. No, they're, they're, no, they're, they're going to want our heart rate. No, like, Well, if you have a Fitbit, that information's on yes, your phone, too. So I do. Yes. Um, Not going to get me. <laughs> Also, look into mRNA vaccines. It it's pretty is fascinating. Amazing. Oh my goodness, scientists. I, you guys are brilliant. I'm, and that's why you're scientists. I'm sorry, as the Canadians would say, <laughs> that I, I barely missed my chance to work on it myself. So. Oh, yeah, at so, work. Yeah, mm-hmm. you you, uh, you started just after they had sort of finished up that. After stuff, they finished right? their batch. Their one yeah. batch for, I think it was for Pfizer. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's amazing. And how did I get on this anyway? Um, oh yeah, I wanted to say because you were saying people born in two thousand can drink this year. We know for sure. Hello, Declan. That we have. <laughs> we have one listener. We have who a listener can. who's a junior over here. Yeah, who's think, think from you, from Ireland. Who yeah, think uh, you can where he lives. 
said he's an equivalent of a high school junior, so we're guessing you're 16, 16 or 17. 17. Yeah. Do we have any bebés out there? Do we have any more bebés? Reach out if we do. Well, we did until you just said that. Oh, now it's creepy. <laughs> now I made it weird. <laughs> I meant it in the Moira Rose way, our bebés. We love our bebés. We take care of our bebés. <laughs> it's clearly time to end, isn't it? It is okay. clear. It's very clear. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll resume tomorrow. We shall. Tomorrow in real time for us. Next week Next for week you. Next week for you guys. <laughs> So that was the uh, part one of the Ilbrox disasters taking place in 1902, where a Sarlacc pit opened up in the middle of a stadium. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.